Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's session of Selling the Couch. I hope you're doing well, having an incredible day. So I have some big news to share with you. I am going back into private practice, but don't worry, STC is not going anywhere. I'm actually going to add one and potentially two days of clinical work. And today, I wanted to walk you through three reasons why I made this choice. And just a heads up, I usually try to keep these episodes pretty organized and pretty tight, but this is not one of those episodes. I do have a general framework for it, but I wanted to create it because I wanted to create it now because right now I'm kind of in the throes of the messy middle of trying to figure things out. And a lot of times I feel like we see people's stories after they've accomplished something and it leaves out, I think, the part which most of us are actually in for a majority of the time, which is this messy middle. And So just to even take a step back before I dive too much into the three reasons, I've been thinking, I've been a psychologist since 2012, and STC started as a kind of a side hobby. Literally, I was doing five and a half days of clinical work from 2012 to 2015. 2015 is when I started STC. And in those early days, this podcast, honestly, the recordings happened around 3.30 a.m. to 3.50 a.m., something around there, because I would have to go into the group practice that I was working at. And often they had two offices in Center City, so I would have to take the train in. And so that usually meant I was out the door somewhere between 7 and 7.15 in the morning. And so I've slowly transitioned that to STC becoming a full-time thing right when the pandemic started. But in the back of my mind, I'd often thought a lot about wanting to go back into private practice, but as you probably or may or may not know my sort of life story, we have a daughter and she was born two months early. And so just going through the NICU experience in 2018, 2019, it was a lot. I'm not even going to lie, like this was like an easy season. And even before that, we went through a year of just infertility and just trying to navigate all of these different things. And I just, at a at a practical level, when I was managing STC, still doing biopsychosocial evals at an outpatient clinic, and then going through all of this life stuff that we were going through, I tried to start like a small practice, but I just didn't have the 
practical time between going to appointments and all of this stuff, as well as the emotional bandwidth. And But it had always been in the back of my mind. And which brings me to point one, which is I genuinely miss the work. I love, I love serving our field through online courses and masterminds and and really starting to think about how we can imagine our clinical skills and as more of a skill set that we can deploy into different realms besides just the therapy room. But at the same time, there's just something amazing and humbling about being close to the therapy work. And I just genuinely miss it. I, I miss the conversations. I miss the moments of vulnerability. I miss just the the courage that I see in the therapy room. And I, I miss just the ways that I grow as a person when I am doing the clinical work. And so more than anything, I miss the work. And I've been thinking a lot about how do I incorporate the counseling work back into what I'm doing. Which brings me to the second point of the reality is the mental health landscape is changing like no other. You have probably seen this in your own work. You have probably seen a lot of different things. Like, for example, there's been two kind of seismic shifts in mental health, maybe three. So the first one is COVID has significantly impacted the mental health crisis that is happening not only here in the US, but all around the world. And the reality is there just aren't enough clinicians globally to be able to even address this crisis, right? Now, the pandemic has brought this massive need for mental health support and services. And it just feels like for me, psychologist that has a PhD, it feels like part of it is my responsibility to do what I can, at least on the clinical end, to be able to, to serve the world. The other two big things that have happened is obviously AI. And AI is, as in a lot of different realms, AI is entering mental health. We have things like AI text. We have things like AI case notes and all of these different things. I personally don't think AI is inherently bad. I think that when used well, uh, it can actually make the work that we're doing intentional and more efficient. That, of course, has to be balanced with things like how our clients' privacy be maintained and things like that. The third thing that is kind of changing in the mental health landscape is there's a ton of money that is getting invested into mental health startups. This has literally gone from million, hundreds of millions in the year before the pandemic to now multiple billions. So we've had basically a three to five X increase in the amount of money that is getting spent every year in supporting mental health startups. I think it's wonderful on one level. Next week, we're going to have an episode with my friend, Michael Fulweiler. Michael is the head of brand for Herd, which is a bookkeeping um, service for therapists. And it's one of these startups. Michael was actually the former head of marketing for the Gottman Institute as well. And the amount of money that is getting thrown into mental health in Silicon Valley is mind-blowing. And again, I'm kind of going off of memory, but basically in the year before the pandemic, there was about $800 million being spent in mental health startups. One to two years after the pandemic, that number ballooned to just a shade under 
$5 billion per year. And now it's around $3 billion a year. So it decreased a little bit, but it's kind of stabilizing around $3 billion. So basically, we can say there's been about a 3x increase in the amount of money. Now, I noticed that many online communities, they have kind of two ways of thinking about this investment in both uh, AI as well as mental health startups. So the very first thing is sort of ignore AI and mental health start and all this money getting thrown in and just sort of do what you're doing. So that's like one perspective. I think the other perspective is there's like a significant fear around AI and mental health startups, which I actually totally get as a as a clinician. I am I try to be like super cautious and super intentional. But one thing I sort of notice is that the AI revolution and the investment in mental health startups, they are happening whether we like it or not as clinicians. And that's just sort of the reality. So I think another way that I'm thinking about it, and again, this relates to the reason of going partly into private practice is, I think another way is to bring systemic change from inside of the system by actually immersing in the system, right? So at a practical level, there are a lot of these startups actually don't have clinicians. Um, I wouldn't say a lot, but a good chunk of them don't have mental health providers on their executive boards. So there's some real opportunity for us as therapists to really impact the direction of these companies. And so I want, and I think there's just at a practical level, I just think there's wisdom in me actually testing and sharing my experiences with many of these products and services in a clinical setting versus what I have been doing for the past couple of years, which is I have a informal board of advisors that I that are people that I trust, they're clinicians, they are folks that that work with mental health, all of these mental health startups, a bunch of range of different experiences. And I use them as sort of a sounding board to vet products and services. But I don't get it right all of the time, but I do think it's a nice system. But I think with this change to AI and this amount of money going into mental health in the startup space, I just think there's wisdom in me immersing myself in it. Which brings me to the third point, which is the wisdom of what I call a hub and spoke model. Over the past few months, I've heard about this model of business, and it's basically called this hub and spoke model. And the best way to think about it is imagine a bicycle wheel, and in the middle of this wheel, there's the hub, right? And from outside of that hub, there are various different spokes that that go out. And when we can actually use this hub and spoke model in different realms. So for example, you can use it when thinking about creating content to market your practice or market your online course, whatever, market your book, whatever you're thinking, right? The hub is usually, from a marketing perspective, for me personally, it always starts with some sort of written content, usually like a blog post. And then from there, we have different spokes. Spokes are ways that we repurpose and reuse that content. So that blog post usually turns into a script for a podcast episode. I have the video on, so we're creating it also for YouTube as well. And then after that video is edited and placed into YouTube, we will take the written content, turn it into carousel posts for LinkedIn. And then the videos that are on YouTube, we'll use 
AI to create shorts out of those. And, and then we use those and share those like on LinkedIn, for example. So it's a really nice system of like repurposing content and intentionally repurposing content. But you can use the same model when you are thinking about your business. And so at the hub of it, it's usually a flagship offer that you have. For me, that's like our online course mastermind that we run for therapists who are creating our, our first online course. But here's what I am realizing. Relying on a hub really worked in the two or so years after the pandemic. People were still working from home. There was just more discretionary income because people were traveling less or they were we were getting the the government like the assistance as well. Inflation was not as rampant as it is now. I know things are getting are getting curved, but still the reality. In fact, I think all of us as therapists should think about having a hub in our business. So this is basically a single offer that's scalable. It could be anything from an online course to a mastermind group to a group coaching or even running therapeutic groups or things like retreats or intensives, something that allows scalability and and sort of, yeah, just scalability and, and, and those things. Now, what I'm realizing is times are changing. So we went through a period where most people had so much more discretionary income to where we are now, where there are layoffs in tech, there's a housing crisis, there is inflation. What I noticed just in general with clinicians is there's a a fear and a reluctance to spend. Obviously not everybody, but this is sort of just a, a broad pattern that I noticed. And just to even share like kind of our real numbers, our online course mastermind, when it launched in 2020, went from a non-existent product to a $10,000 monthly recurring income product. So MRR is the term that I'll use, monthly recurring revenues. So then it went up to 13K in 2021. And then in 2022 and 23, it's actually dipped and it stayed around the, I would say low eight to 9K MRR product, which honestly in the midst of a pandemic and, and inflation, all of that is, it's excellent. Those are great numbers. But I also try to think about like long-term and sort of anticipate a couple of moves ahead. And Obviously, this isn't 100% profit. So my expenses are currently around $35 to $3,800 a month. I do want to lower this a little bit to around $3,000 just to get in line more with the profit first stuff, which recommends basically expenses should be around 30% of your revenue as long as you have a 250 k or below business. And that's the level that honestly I want to stay at. This is probably another episode for another time, but I just realized that's a good enough business for me. But what I'm realizing on a bigger level is I want to add some spokes to the hub. So we have our podcasting course, our Healthcasters podcasting course. Right now, it's a course-only option, so you can just uh, purchase a course. Uh, what we're thinking long and hard about is adding a coaching tier to it. So you can buy the course, or you can buy course plus coaching. This way, you also just get the support of me as you are navigating and building out your podcast. We also, with STC Elite, our mastermind for online course creators, we're thinking about a digital course as well as monthly coaching. So this isn't the whole mastermind experience, which involves building out your course over the span of a year, weekly gatherings, live teaching, all of that kind of stuff. What we're realizing is 
there's been a lot of demand for our online course creator kit. I'm going again off of memory, but I think we've had about 562 colleagues who have downloaded our course creator starter kit, which basically helps you validate your course idea. It's all the same exercises that we use in our main mastermind. And the feedback has been incredible. Like we colleagues love, love this free course. And the feedback we often get is, Mel, I can't believe you're giving this away for free. And But one of the things I'm realizing is our main mastermind is a 9K year commitment. And it just doesn't fit for everybody. And so I think there's some tiers or potentially one tier, potentially a couple, I don't know quite yet, but at least one tier that is more of an entry point into somebody that wants to create a course, but either doesn't want to commit a whole year or just doesn't have the 9k to spend over a span of a year and doesn't want that full on experience. So I think that's there as well. The third thing is we're rolling out a, this is a very almost like I don't know if like it's not really in stealth since I'm sharing it with you, but we're launching a mastermind for established course creators. So these are either folks who have graduated from our existing mastermind that continue to, that have now built their courses, but now want that support of just to be with other therapists now that have established courses out there to think about marketing and strategic growth and sustainable growth and all of those kind of things. It's also for just anyone that has an established course out there and that's selling and doing well, but they want to build it in a sustainable way. So we're like soft launching that. We've got five five colleagues, I believe, that are confirmed and going to be joining us. And the nice thing with that that offer is it's something that anybody can join at any time versus our flagship mastermind, which basically has only two launches because we do all of our teachings live. And so you're literally going from taking your course from an idea, sifting through those ideas, all the way to designing your lessons. Before we jump into the rest of today's session, if you have launched a successful private practice and are now looking at launching an online course, just wanted to encourage you to download the free SDC online course creator kit that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash course kit. This is basically a seven-part email course Uh, We broke it down into very simple and easy to understand language, but it's the exact exercises that we use for our mastermind members in order to validate your course idea. So you'll basically take your idea for your online course and run it through a bunch of different exercises that we use in order to make sure that it's a profitable one. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash course kit. So we'll jump right back in all the way to getting ready for your beta group. And so we'll have that. And then I obviously I have my counseling practice again. This will be, I'm going to just put it into the umbrella of like my, my spokes. But obviously with my counseling practice, it's going to be a separate LLC. It's going to be a separate business. We're going to have separate bank accounts and all of that stuff because I just want to keep everything clean. And I also realize I'm doing this in a model for others. And so A lot of legal experts that I've ever talked to have recommended if you're going to go and branch into courses and all of these kind of coaching and all the stuff, basically I'm doing with STC, but then also thinking about clinical work, you should have that as two different LLCs. And the final thing that we're really thinking about is quarterly like online course and or podcasting Q&A. So this would be like a low cost item 
where somebody can just kind of pop in and I am there and they can get questions answered. So this is even lower than like our digital and group coaching access. And this one, I, I'm likely going to be branching out beyond therapists to offer these Q&As too, because uh, for example, on LinkedIn, I'm connecting with a lot of folks that are not therapists, but want to create a podcast or online course. And there isn't an existing way that I can support them just because our main stuff has all been focused on on our field. And so that's kind of where things are with everything. I wanted to wrap up this session with sharing just two more things. One is questions that I'm thinking and weighing. And then the second one is my fears. And then the final section, actually three sections of my final section is just my hopes and my dreams about all of this. And so questions that I'm weighing, two main questions. One is with private practice, do I go this insurance route or do I go the private pay route? I don't have to tell you sort of all of the struggles and tensions that many therapists feel with taking insurance. Everything from having to be having to do everything sort of perfectly to get reimbursed properly all the way to clawbacks and all of these kind of things, right? Which are basically when an insurance company can take money that they've reimbursed you for. Or do I go the private pay route? What I've actually decided to do is to start with an insurance base, but more specifically, not going like individually getting credentialed with all of these insurance companies, but actually going the route of what are these hybrid companies that are emerging during the pandemic that are actually, I think they're doing some pretty uh, sweet work, which is the two major ones are Alma and Headway. I've talked to multiple colleagues who are using both and they've all mentioned how happy they are with with the products, with both of these. Now, if you look online, there is like some mixed stuff on them. And this, again, I, I feel like one of the best ways for me to advocate to get these products better is actually to do the work and to use it in my practice. So I've talked to multiple colleagues as I've debated this sort of tension of like, do I just go full on private pay, not even deal with this insurance, or do I go this Alma headway route? And and they've all mentioned that I could leverage my online presence to create a successful private pay practice, especially because I'm starting out with one day. So practically, I don't imagine seeing more than five to six clients. Likely, I'm going to be starting more with like one to three and just even seeing how that feels. I think what colleagues are saying, I think that's right that I've got the podcast, I've got YouTube, I've got LinkedIn, I think there are multiple, and I've just got my sort of built-in network, folks that I've connected with and built relationship with with through the podcast, their referral sources, I've got all of those things. But mainly, I just realized with private practice, I want a turnkey solution, I don't want to spend a ton of time marketing my private practice, I want to keep my main focus on STC. And if you haven't heard of these companies like the Almas and the Headways, it's an interesting model. It's basically a middle ground between being fully credentialed with an insurance company and then being private pay. So basically, they act like a giant group practice. So except the group practice has like 10,000 plus like clinicians in it. So you're under their NPI number. And the benefit is they're able to negotiate higher reimbursement rates and take care of communicating with the insurance companies, which is often the biggest stress for most therapists that are taking insurance. You're having to communicate and and making sure that you're getting paid. 
the cool feature with these companies is you're getting paid usually twice a month, regardless of whether they've actually been reimbursed by the company. So when I was in group practice, what would happen is there was like usually a 30 to 45 day delay between when I would see client, a specific client and then when the group practice would reimburse me because they were waiting for the insurance, right? This is a little bit different. I just get paid. You actually get paid on a regular cadence. AMA provides marketing support as well. So they help market your your practice, but you have to pay a monthly fee for this. When I looked fairly recently, it was about $150 a month. I also don't think, I have to double check on this, but a couple of clinician colleagues that I took locally said that AMA is not available here in PA yet as of this recording. And so hopefully they'll come sooner. So Headway is the one that I'm, I'm leaning toward and the one that I'll likely do. Headway's free, but they take a percentage of the insurance reimbursement. They also don't do like marketing support and any of that kind of stuff. The second question is, Mel, do you have a niche? I know that I have a range of different interests. I'm confident that I want to work with adults, but where what type of adult I want to work with, I'm not quite sure yet. I have three ideas. I think these will probably end up being the niches that I work and specialize in. The first one is specifically working with men of color who deal with depression or anxiety as a result of childhood abuse. The second area, I mean, the one I feel like just having lots of conversations, even with friends, I feel like this is a, there's a huge need for this. And especially as a PhD level psychologist and being a person of color and a male, I just think there's, there just aren't a ton of, ton of, well, I'll just say it. There's just not a ton of male Indian PhD level psychologists, right? And that are here in the US. So, so I think there's some interesting opportunities there. And especially even just beyond Indian, I think just men of color, there just aren't enough, enough services available. The second area I'm really thinking about is grief and loss, and particularly working and navigating when you have the loss of a spouse, a parent, or a child. Grief and loss has been something that I have been interested in for a very long time, even I would say pre-grad school. And I feel this sort of prompting of like, man, I really, I, I think there is a need there. And especially I feel like our generation, right? I'm 41. Uh, many of us have aging parents. Many of us are dealing with like significant or, or losing spouses and there's like significant grief. And I'm realizing there may be an opportunity in a space that combines something that I'm passionate about with being able to do good work and serve well. The third area that I'm thinking a lot about is caring for a loved one who has cancer or a terminal illness. This is something that we are navigating on multiple sort of levels and we have friends that are navigating this. And what I'm realizing is there's so much isolation and silent suffering. And I think there's again an opportunity to be able to serve well and to do to do good work in that in that area. Here's the stuff I don't know yet. Uh, which of these do I want to lean into and which of these more importantly are enough of a a struggle or a pain point that people are willing to pay money for. So rather than like hypothetically trying to figure this out, I'm just going to jump in and try the ones, try these that I feel called toward and notice patterns, take in information. There's a quote that I've mentioned in previous episodes of the podcast, which I've heard Ali Abdal talk about, which is get going 
then get good, then get smart. And that I think applies in this realm. I just want to spend the next several, several months just getting going. And then I will get work on getting good with this. And then I'll work on getting smart. And practically, these sort of niches that I'm thinking about, I think what I'll do is I'll probably rotate online directory profile write-ups that speak to each of these just to see what sort of resonates and where I'm getting clients and all of those kind of things. This is, again, the the recommendation of like changing up profiles is tips and things that experts have mentioned in previous episodes of the podcast. So I'm trying to just take that wisdom that folks have shared that, yeah, I want to think through. There's also some trainings that I'm like, just like really interested in, namely like brain spotting. And so I want to like think through what that looks like and if that's going to be something I think about. Another area that I really have interest in is particularly like high performance athletes. So particularly in the realm of like basketball, just sort of the mental game of basketball. And so brain spotting and basketball, it's stuff like, again, these are all ideas in my head and I'm excited to like share them. But I wanted to share this messy middle because I, I don't know, like I find it so helpful when other people share this part uh, versus just kind of what they've accomplished. The last two things I wanted to talk about is my fears and my hopes. So I have two main fears. Uh, One is this has been an eight-year journey, but I can truly, I guess nine years now, coming on nine years, but I can truly say that I've built the business and the pace of life that I want. There's a great quote that I, it's on my like quote wall, which basically says, build a life that you don't need a vacation from. And I have built that. I mean, broadly, I spend my mornings doing deep work. Then I go take about an hour, hour and 15 minute or to an hour and a half hike to get my steps in, come back, grab a quick shower, grab a 25 minute power nap. And then then my afternoons are usually spent in, in what I call sacred writing or sacred learning time. And so each, depending on what day it is, I, I tackle something and I just spend about two hours of learning. So podcasting or online courses, stuff that I teach so that I can get better and be, just be a better teacher. And I don't work nights, I don't work weekends. I have a really nice pace. And I worry that adding clinical work will add a layer of stress and complexity between admin work or crisis or any of these things. And that will take away from the life that I've worked really hard to build. And if I'm just being completely honest, I think I have also used that as a way to rationalize not doing clinical work. But yet at the same time, for the reasons that I mentioned before, I think it is a good time to jump in. The other fear that I have is just managing two different businesses. So obviously, I think with STC is his own LLC. My private practice will be its own LLC. We will have two different bank accounts, one for LLC, one we have already for STC, but I'll have it for my private practice. We'll have two different accounting systems. Everything is going to be too, too different. And if I'm being completely honest, I know myself to know that I do really well with a singular focus. And I fear that my own anxiety will get triggered with trying to manage multiple businesses. But that being said, I think starting with a small caseload, again, one to three clients, letting myself ease in, build out the systems, and then 
And then even just saying like, hey, I think that's good. I don't even want to build beyond this. I think that'll be that'll be good. And I think it'll be a good pace. It's weird because I'm kind of like doing this the reverse way, which is I've built STC and it's been really successful. And so now I'm coming back to clinical work from this perspective of I miss the work and I love the work. And how do I build it? How do I build a a successful clinical practice when I've got something that seems to to be working well, it brings me joy, meaning, and purpose, and it seems to serve others well. I also have to just mainly remind myself that I'm building at my pace. There's a phrase that I love, which is your pace, your race, or your race, your pace. And, uh, And I just have to remind myself of that because I think worried Mel thinks a lot about like, I got to go big or go home with private practice. Like I got to like scale this and go see 15 to 20 clients. And then worried Mel, it's like, Mel, Mel, how in the world are you going to see 15 to 20 clients while managing STC, which is full-time work in itself. And I think the thing I've kind of realized is probably a small caseload is the, the wiser thing to do. I want to wrap up with just sharing just two hopes and dreams that I have. So one, I feel so incredibly blessed that I have the wisdom of nine years of building STC. So it's not like I'm starting from the ground up of like not knowing what I'm doing in terms of like business stuff. I'm also so incredibly grateful for the podcast. Podcasting is an interesting medium and the we're about to enter, March will be my 10th year of doing this podcast, which is crazy. But podcasting is so interesting because you think it is just about getting a message out there, right? Which podcasting definitely allows that and it's a big part of it. But the ways that it's allowed me to to, to keep my uh, tools sharpened as a clinician has been amazing. So for example, when I get to do these interviews on the podcast, I, as you can probably tell, I'm asking a lot of open-ended questions. I am using silence. So it's helping me like really hone in, even though it's been a couple of years since I've done clinical work. And in many ways, I actually feel like it will be an easier transition to therapy because I've just been doing the podcast and and doing these interviews and and just continuing to sharpen that iron. So the other thing, obviously, with the podcast is these interviews have allowed me to really expand my referral network, my professional network. And so even though it feels on some level like, oh my gosh, I'm starting this and doing this alone and trying to figure this out. I mean, I'm fully aware that I'm not alone. I, I have each of you support me as I navigate this. I've got guests that have come on the podcast that I can seek the counsel and wisdom of. And so I am so incredibly excited for for that part of the journey. So I will be sharing my my journey into private practice, the stuff that it's learned that I'm learning the software and services that I'm using, all of those kind of things, primarily within the STC newsletter. I would love for you to have you join us, especially if you've you've been a longtime listener of the podcast. You can join over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash newsletter, and I'd love to have you join. But again, just to wrap up, the three main reasons I'm going back to clinical work is one, I miss the work. The second thing is the mental health landscape is changing both with AI as well as all of this investment into Silicon Valley and mental health. And the third, the wisdom of the hub and spoke model, especially in whatever is happening with the economy now. Have a great rest of your day and please email me. I 
Well, I was quite a bit scared to share this episode. And if it resonated, would you just take like a minute just to email me, melvin at sellingthecouch.com? Tell me what resonated for you. And even if it's just an encouraging note, I just would sincerely appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. Hey there, I hope that you enjoyed today's session. Uh, Thank you again for taking the time to listen all the way through. If you are a therapist and you're specifically in a season where you're a seasoned therapist and you are wanting to move from clinical to online course income, we actually have a specific mastermind for therapists who are doing this. So this is basically a group of really kind and supportive therapists who are also wildly successful as business owners. We meet together to build and grow and scale our online courses. You can learn more about that mastermind over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash mastermind. All one word, sellingthecouch.com forward slash mastermind. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's session.